0: Hello, I'm Paul Mitchell, speaker and author. Welcome to Enterprise Radio. This is your regular podcast on how to transform the way you live your life, the way you lead your business, and the way you leave a legacy. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to be speaking with Teresa Mason, uh, who is the Head of Sales and Marketing with Teachers Mutual Bank. Now, like all radio interviewers or broadcasters, I must declare a personal interest here. I have known of Teachers Mutual Bank, or I first knew it as New South Wales Teachers Credit Union since 1975. In fact, my membership number is 7551032. I've been a member of uh, Teachers Mutual Bank now for 33 years, and I can tell you uh, the uh, service is absolutely outstanding for any organisation, and particularly a financial services organisation. And I think you'll understand why when you hear this interview with Teresa. Uh, so please join me as you listen to Theresa discuss how New South Wales Teachers Credit Union became Teachers Mutual Bank and because of that process in terms of managing major change, CO Magazine named her the Financial Services Executive of the Year in 2012 as one of the key drivers of that change. Sit back and enjoy Teresa. you for sharing your time with us, Teresa.
1: Thank you, Paul. It's a pleasure.
0: And uh, so first of all, tell our listeners, what is your current role and what's that involved?
1: Okay. My current role is um, I'm head of sales and marketing with Teachers Mutual Bank. And what that involves, as I suppose it's in the title, uh, sales and marketing. But it's it's a fairly broad area that I cover, both um, in the strategic development, but also the business usual as usual um, functional development in uh, the marketing activity of um, of the bank, but uh, the strategy in terms of who we're targeting right. and. Uh, how we actually work with the membership uh, to improve their financial well-being. So it's looking at them uh, in the life stage view, if you like. Fantastic. And, uh, you know, looking at uh, the, the right solutions and sort of, I suppose, a needs-based approach. And uh, aside from that, uh, all of the um, the digital uh, distribution and uh, face-to-face uh, distribution uh you know, contact centre, and we also have a mobile uh, team, a couple of mobile teams that are out there. So it's distributed. It sales and marketing.
0: (laughs) I love that that too. uh, I guess it's great that uh, from sales and marketing you're also involved with strategy and particularly, I guess, as you say, taking your clients from a a whole, you know, of of life cycle. That's Um, right. In fact, you've done that particularly well and uh, you're not the sort of person to brag about it but uh, one of the reasons we wanted to um, have some time with you is because of your fantastic award that you won last year, Financial Services Executive of the Year, CEO Magazine. That is really something. Congratulations. Tell us, uh, Alyssa, a bit about what that award represents and what that was.
1: Um, The CEO magazine uh, sought out our company because uh, what they do is they approach companies that they think are achieving good things and approached us to consider nominating for this award. And uh, we went through a rebrand. We've been Teachers Credit Union for 46 years and uh, the environment was right for us to consider changing from a credit union to a bank in that uh, there was a lot of political support for, um, if you like, mutual financial institutions to uh, apply for um, full bank license yeah. and uh, not... I mean we have always been um, an approved deposit taking institution, which means we're licensed, but basically licensed to be able to use the term bank in our name, which we believe better describes what we do because credit unions, when they were first founded, it was well understood uh, by the community at the time what a credit union did and Uh, what it represented for the community, because it was more difficult to get access to finance uh, when they were developed many years ago. But um, in these modern times, when the financial system in Australia is very well uh, developed, uh, less regulated in terms of uh, the lending capacity of institutions as to what it was back then. Uh, You've got now, uh, like I said, quite a well-developed banking system and um, participants in the banking system, and we wanted to be able to uh, represent ourselves, if you like, to the younger generation as a a full services financial institution. So we did a a complete, um, not just rebrand, but a transformation of... um, Uh, Teachers Credit Union into Teachers Mm. Mutual Bank. It was quite a story behind that. So we submitted that story to the CEO magazine and the role that it played. And, uh, yeah, uh, they were very happy um, with what we uh, submitted to them and saw that, yeah, I suppose turning around an organisation that's 46 years old is quite an achievement, and because it's a membership-based organisation, uh, it's not something that you know the directors can just uh, go forward with. No. They have to actually uh, get the yeah. um, the permission of the membership to go with it.
0: Making a change that big um, is a lot of stakeholders involved. You know, you've got you obviously got compliance and, and, and government. You've got banking regulations. You've got the members themselves, the teachers and the staff, and so forth. So we'll talk about particularly the leadership involved there. But I've got to say to my listeners up front, I am a proud member. I must I must declare a uh, uh, my hand here. I'm a proud member of uh, TMB Teachers Mutual Bank. I have been since 1975. My number is seven double five one zero three two and uh, these guys really know how to service their members and I think it's interesting right from the start you never called them customers like any sort of credit union you called them members which is just fantastic but tell us a little bit about some of the leadership that was required there um, maybe in with some of those stakeholders how what was the leadership that you did to actually get that across the line because I would think initially not everybody would have said yes let's be a bank.
1: That's right I mean unfortunately for a lot of Australians they think of bank as a four-letter word, and <laughs> <That is this. laughs> but we think, you know, we're very proud of the Australian banking system, so we believe that we had a very positive uh, uh, proposition to uh, propose to our membership. So there was, uh, I suppose, a fairly intensive um, stakeholder analysis that we had to undertake, uh, to identify what would be uh, people's concerns uh, with a change especially the membership that have been uh, with the bank for you know nearly forty six years and to also look at the other community stakeholders that we've worked with and represented over the many years uh, to get their their thoughts and understand Understanding on, on what it was we were proposing. So uh, stakeholder analysis and understanding what would resonate with with each of those in the proposition that we put forward.
0: So let's just hold it there. I guess that's a... Because there's always some great lessons in one. I guess a lot of change, we rush into it here. You've not just thought about who the stakeholders are, you've done an analysis and I love the word resonate, what's going to resonate with them, what's going to vibrate with them, so you took the time to really understand what would what would float their boat or make their DNA dance, as we say. Um, That's what, right. What, what are some other things that you did in terms of the working with stakeholders?
1: Uh, well, we held some focus groups uh, because we were changing, if you like, the look and feel of the brand and uh, we I uh, wanted to propose, I suppose, a very fresh and different look and really get to the nexus of what it was um, about our brand that uh, members would value right. and uh, how we could actually portray that. So we worked with a, an external agency, and uh,
0: what tra- was it, by the way, Teresa? But actually, what was it that they said was the nexus of the brand?
1: The nexus of the brand uh, for them is that uh, it's a brand that is uh, very personal in how it um, provides its products and services. Very focused on uh, the target, which is which is teachers and their families. So uh, it's if you like almost like a club membership I'm a member, I can get these products and services, I can get this relationship that I can't get with another financial institution it's uh, being able to have that um, personal access if you like uh, for uh, for support, yes. you know, with their financial services because um, it doesn't come easy to everybody managing their finances, especially no, when you're going absolutely. through life-changing circumstances. So uh, the friendliness and the approachableness of our organisation uh, to help them navigate their financial landscape is really um, what mattered to them and that we wouldn't change that.
0: And tell me, what do you do? Because having been here and seen your people, it's almost like they're they're, they're, they're taking the same drug. They are all <laughs> (laughs) friendly, they are also approachable, Um, is that you know, does that happen through your recruiting? Uh, does it happen through your training? Does it happen because people are attracted to TNB because of that? Tell me a bit about how how you keep that brand up with your people.
1: Well, I suppose a, a lot of it comes down to our culture and the culture is led um, from the board of directors. Okay. The board of directors uh, have ex-teachers and ex principals as well as um, right, skilled so appointed right. um, uh, directors as well uh, from uh, Different industries, and uh, it's the ethos that they um, actually operate under, which permeates yeah from the top down right through the business. So um, this, if you like, focus and uh, on uh, the teachers that we're serving, it's led from the top, and it's embedded if you like through every level in regard to how we recruit people to the organisation, the way that we present uh, our employer proposition, the way that our employment policies are um, formed, the way that we comply and work within the regulation and the fact that uh, we're... uh, I suppose, a fairly agile um, organisation because we're small and uh, people have a voice and we're very collaborative and consultative in how we develop our solutions here. So people really feel that they're part of the organisation and that they can contribute and they get recognition for that contribution. We've got programs like innovation programs and um, leadership team programs, talent programs, and so people feel excited. And if you look at what our, our three core va- uh, values are, and that's passion, sustainability and advocacy, uh, you can see that they're uh, values that Coming people through. can really yeah. yeah, identify with and, yeah, all sort of. Come together.
0: together. Mm. So there's some great lessons there, isn't there, for for listeners or anyone wanting to change a culture. One, it starts at the top. Here you've had directors who, unlike some directors, have never actually been at the coalface. Many of these people have been teachers, so it it starts there. Then they, they get it. They really get it themselves. They lead from the top. They embed that culture right throughout. You give people a voice. You emphasize the collaborative nature and then recognize it as such. Always looking for innovation and new ideas, and I guess promoting talent. So a lot of real strong things about the culture in the place. Let's let's put the focus back on you a little bit here and just ask about your journey as a leader. So um, I guess we know a bit about uh, TMB Teachers Mutual Bank. Um, what uh, what does leadership mean to you personally? Because you've, you've led a lot of this change in many ways. But as a leader, what does leadership mean to you?
1: Well, leadership. To me, um, when I think back on uh, uh, not only this change that we've been through but other uh, leadership um, situations I've been in, it it is a little bit about bravery.
0: Yes, courage,
1: yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, being brave enough uh, uh, to have the courage of your convictions and um, to advocate for the needs of other people in the business and for for your members or your customers as well. Um, and to be thinking about what it is that these people need uh, to improve their situation or to improve the organisation's situation, and yeah, finding your voice and speaking up about that, and then contributing and working
0: through and <laughs> leading out loud, as we say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: That's right. <laughs> I'm
0: just putting a plug in here, folks, for one of <laughs> our programs. But isn't that great that you're finding your own voice, what's important to you, and then and what's important to people, and once again being a strong advocate and knowing what you know. I guess what your values are as much as the organisations. Tell me a bit about your values. What do you stand for as a leader?
1: Well, I, what's your
0: brand? You know, what's your style?
1: Well, my style is um, I'm very situational and adaptable. So I tend to change my style depending on the situation because I don't believe that you can have a one-size-fits-all. It's To me, it's a bit of a kaleidoscope. No. And um, so... But also, at the heart of it, I probably would say I'm consultative and, and collaborative. And what I find is that I try to surround myself and work with people that um, have really strong skill sets and maybe skills that, or um, attributes that I don't have or, yep. or, or are not my strengths yes. uh, so that I can work with them uh, collectively to achieve um, our goals and I'm also uh, somebody that is always interested in learning uh, new approaches and um, interested in how other people do things, but not only just in banking but in other businesses as well and uh, you know, sort of transferring those learnings back into our business. And, it's and an
0: interesting uh, proposition. I read something the other day, I cannot remember where, but they said one of the most important things to look for in this day and age is someone with, a, with an absolute appetite for curiosity.
1: Yes, you know, insatiable. Learning. Insatiable appetite <laughs> for <laughs> It sounds
0: like you've got that and you surround yourself. But that's interesting. You know, you know it's about what we call situational sensing. You sense the situation and then, rather than having one style, adapt to that. Um, but you know primarily it's a consultative style. But then I guess like most great leaders, you surround yourself with people who have got different skill sets than you. Um, so that you can be complimentary and that collaborative style can work really, really well. Um, So um, what about your career to date? Is there any sort of highlights in terms of, and particularly, we find our listeners are really interested in how you make the transition from being a a technician, if you like, almost a salesperson or a marketer, to be a a leader, a manager of a sales and marketing function. Tell us a bit about your journey there.
1: Well, really, I suppose it it comes down to... uh, being an advocate of change, and uh, when you're working uh, within a team um, at the, the technical level, if you like, uh, you can see uh, opportunity for things to be done differently or to be done better. And you know you're all busy doing your, your business as usual day to day work. That somebody uh, needs to sort of step out there and 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 help move things forward. And so. Uh, when you're uh, working within a team and you're working for common good, uh, you're looking. I was always sort of looking for an opportunity where I could help to do things better. And making that transition is getting the support of the people that you're working with uh, to see that yes, you're somebody that could really help take this forward, and um, also not only just be concerned with the area that you're working in but the bigger picture as well, somebody that could sort of see the bigger picture and uh, then help you know, people back in your own area understand how how us cogs fit into the the big right. machine. Yeah. So yeah, that that was how it was really. It's such
0: a it's such a theme coming through. I love the words you know, to help to do things better, and I think that's what great leaders are doing. There, yes, they have their technical expertise, but you know they're constantly looking at how can we help people do it better, how can we how can we make it better, which is obviously why we've made the change from from credit union to uh, to bank. Have there been any uh, in that journey of, of making things better and collaborating, have there been any people that have actually left their mark on you as a leader and what were some of the key leadership lessons that uh, that they left behind for you?
1: Well, I've been really fortunate that I've had a couple of good CEOs that I, I've worked under and um, one of them was a, a quiet achiever. Right. and. But uh, what they did was that um, they would put you in front of uh, people or bring you together with other people or provide um, information to you in a quiet manner uh, so that um, you would broaden your learning and uh, your experience. They would put you in different situations to give you um, deeper and broader experiences. They. And they sort of, through those actions, I probably learnt to focus on what mattered and not so much sweat the small stuff because Mm. uh, when they did actually bring things to your attention, it was things that really mattered or or could make a difference or maybe disruptive um, to what, uh, you know, the business you were in and that we needed to think about. So I learnt that. Uh, from from that particular CEO and that CEO really invested a lot in my education and uh, knew that uh, there were some things I wouldn't learn on the job or, or internally and that we needed to go outside and get right. that expert help. So that was great. Then another um, CEO, that, well, the current CEO that I work with, um, Steve James, uh, what he really uh, demonstrates and, and shows to me is uh, that the different people in your organization, their different levels of experience and uh, all collaboratively have, collaboratively have something that they can bring to the table. And he's good at recognizing um, the strength, and uh, and bringing uh, different groups of people together to work on particular uh, projects and and letting those groups go off again. so uh, right. you know not just sticking within a rigid team that working in a more of a matrix he is quite comfortable with that.
0: So. and learn from that. so two things I hear coming through that are really great lessons. The first one is that this thing about someone pushing you outside the boundaries, which they did we have a saying in the Human prize there's no there's no growth in the comfort zone That's and there's right. no comfort in the growth zone. <laughs> and and uh, so you've had a leader that believed in you and trusted you and, and, and pushed you to the edge there, put you outside of your comfort zone from time to time. So you had to learn. You had to learn to focus. You had to learn to, to be adaptable. And I guess current CEO, what I get from Steve is that a real strength approach and not just strength of the individual, hey, you're strong here, you're strong here, but when you put a team together with different strengths, uh, the difference that that can make, and particularly because of your collaborative nature here, I think that's been probably one of the reasons why you know the business has gone so well.
1: That's right. He also operates under what I, um, I call fuzzy logic um, principles, and that is he allows you to go through that sensing process, if you like, before you commit um to any new initiative um, or, or opportunity that you see it's a bit of a, a paradox because um, at the same time he really guards the norm and the traditional about the place so uh, yeah not let not letting you get, uh, lose sight of the heritage yes but actually embracing the new it is a bit of a paradox well, it's but a great works.
0: Mm-hmm. And we found that uh, sometimes what happens is, you know, CEO or senior leader come to me when it's all worked out, come to me with your idea. And therefore, people won't come with that fuzzy logic. It is great to have the, um, uh, if you like, the open door to be able to just bounce the, the idea around. You've got this idea. It's not quite worked through. It is the logic there, but it's still a bit fuzzy. I think that makes for a great incubation of, of, of innovation. So a real important lesson for leaders to not have your people think they must come with the I's dotted and the T's crossed. Um, so uh, very important. So that's interesting. So two of your main influences on you as a leader have actually been CEOs, but for many senior leaders like yourself, there's often been other people that have been or other situations that have influenced your uh, leadership mantra, your leadership brand. Tell us a bit about those.
1: Okay. Well, one leader that I admired from a young person, probably because they were around uh, when I was first entering the workforce um, was Paul Keating. And Paul Keating to me um, really uh, gave, when I reflect on what what he was like as a leader and the things that he did, he really looked at the big picture and he had a global perspective. So from an organisation's point of view, it's really important to look at how you fit within the overall environment um, that you're operating in and also those global influences. No matter how small the business, they're all still quite important. And it's probably through that era that I really... uh, yeah
0: were you working with paul at all or?
1: no i was just <laughs> i was just somebody that I happened to admire um and maybe because when i came into banking you know a lot of it was around the floating of the mm. dollar and um the deregulation of banking so maybe that's where um the connection and
0: of course treasurer of the year at one time that's and, right um, yeah yeah
1: and and you know uh I suppose I found him quite um, an entertaining and, and humorous He still is,
0: No, what no, side of the political fence you're on? He has one hell of a wit.
1: But he always had the courage of his conviction and he was strong in how he, he um, you know, stood up for what he believed was right for the country. And I think... I see a little bit of a similarity because sometimes as a leader you can be looking so far out Mm. that sometimes you can lose sight of what's happening on the ground. So I've sort of kept that in mind because it is great to be visionary and to be looking to the horizon and looking at the big picture items but when you lose sight of what's happening on the ground or or if you don't have somebody Mm. working with you that can keep your feet grounded a bit as well, then, uh, yeah, that's where you can actually sort of flounder a bit because uh, you you become too disconnected.
0: We mentioned to our leaders that uh, it's not. I mean, sometimes the term leader versus manager is used, which I don't think helps. I think it's all leadership, but some of it's transformational, some of it's new, some of it's new horizon, like going from a credit union to a bank. And you still need to do the dishes. You still need to um, tick the boxes. You still need to do the transactional stuff as well too. So that's another lesson too that no matter how senior you get, you've got to look after your own backyard as well. Any? What about on the personal side? Have there been any any uh, you know relatives or any uh, people that have influenced you in some way as a leader?
1: Well, uh, your own parents always influence you. They're probably the biggest influence on your life. And and my mother uh, was very practical, taught me how to be quite organised in my thinking and have a plan, that type of thing, whereas Dad was quite adventurous and (laughs) he taught me, I suppose, a bit bit about the bravery side of things, to to get out there and have a go and try things and, and, uh, and, yeah, have that balance.
0: Are you a mixture of your mum and dad?
1: I believe so, very (laughs) much so. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, he was—he was a wonderful. Well, he is a wonderful father in terms of, um, yeah, encouraging you to always. Look on the—he's an optimist to look on the on the bright side, mm. um, whereas Mum kept kept your feet grounded. <laughs> so.
0: Well, they're both right. I mean, there's a guy called Martin Seligman who has written a lot on optimism. He he shares uh, two things. One, here's the good news or bad news. Uh, um, pessimists are often right more than optimists, so we have to admit that the pessimists have it there. But guess what? Optimists are often more successful. <laughs> And you're also part of the executive team and have your own team. So when it comes to working with teams, both as a team member Mm -hmm. of the executive and uh, being the, the leader of your own team, what are some of the, I guess, key lessons or key premises that you work by. Let's first of all start with you as a team member. You said you report through to Steve. Uh, What does it mean for you to be a great member of that team, of the executive team?
1: Well, I think one of the things that is probably most important on the executive team is that we each recognise what each one brings to the table and that uh, you do have these experts around you in their own field uh, to work with that can help you develop your thinking. The majority of our business propo- proposals go right around uh, the executive before they get through uh, to the board of directors. And that is because you need to bring all those different um, facets mm-hmm. of, uh, of, of the business operation together together. Uh, and we do have people on the team like myself that are optimists and we've got, you know, people on the team that are, are, are more... Um... <laughs> that are right more often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they probably play devil's advocate a bit, yes. which is a real strength of our team, mm-hmm. is that, you know, we've got people that are very visionary and, and innovative and other people that are, are looking to see uh, or to test those the, that vision and uh, to, yeah, give you reality checks, if you like. Um, so it's a very balanced team to work with him and uh, it's a team that some of the members there have been together for quite a long time whereas we've got some newer members on as well and uh, if you like the camaraderie and mm. um, the way that we work together is has been quite successful.
0: So three things coming through there I think are just so important as a team member, one to be in awe, not just, hey, they've got strength, but being in awe of Mm. someone else's model of the world. And if you're in awe of someone else's model of the world, then you really start to listen to their their point of view. And it sounds like you've got that. The other thing is it sounds like there's strong trust there for you you to do it. And the final one is that wonderful balance between new and old. That's Um, right. You know, having having a a solid base there, but being open to new members coming in as well. Yeah,
1: that's right. And it's terrific to have, um, you know, not a high turnover in an organisation but enough turnover so that you do get new thinking into the business as well. But as we grow and we're always um, evolving as a financial institution and uh, different areas, uh, like um, our technology investments are growing all the time, so you're getting a lot of new thinking and capability into the business to help you to be able to participate. Um, Yeah, just like uh, we're heavily reliant on technology to deliver banking. services. And uh, we've got a new CIA that's come into the business and he's brought, great. you know, some great, you know, uh, innovative thinking and great appetite for change as well within that team. So it's excellent. Yes.
0: Yeah, so, and, and to the whole thing about uh, uh, constantly seeking out new ideas, too, which I guess aligns up with your brand, too. You know, the fact that that's that's who you are, always looking at how we can do it better. Talk a bit about your own team I mean, you, because of your collaborative style. And this is something that a lot of leaders see struggle with. They, they want to be collaborative. They want to actually have a very collegial model with their own direct reports, which is great up to a point, but then when they have to give them POPs uh, critical feedback or constructive criticism, it's, it, it's a bit difficult. And we have a saying, they become too nice, which stands for nothing inside cares enough. That's they right. find it difficult <laughs> to actually give feedback. How do you do that? How do you balance this wonderful collaborative style that you have and TMB has with the reality that sometimes people are not performing and you have to give them feedback. Tell us a bit about how you do that.
1: What I do is... I always maintain an open and honest and transparent, transparent, if you like, uh, relationship with my my team members. I do share stories with them about my own um, successes and failures. I am uh, honest and open with them about uh, situations that I've been in and I... Hope that I engender a culture of for the good of the organisation. That and I always talk about, um, you know, Teachers Mutual Bank and what we're doing for Teachers Mutual Bank, and how we're doing things for Teachers Mutual Bank. So that when I have to talk about something that's not going well, um, the focus is how we're participating either as individuals or as as a team member towards. Uh, the needs of Teachers Mutual Bank. So I, f- I feel very comfortable um, being able to have open and honest conversations with them. Thank
0: you, Theresa. In, in other words, it is not about you, it's how that behaviour is either helping or, in this case, detracting from our bigger sense of purpose, Teachers Mutual Bank, taking away from what we do for members or whatever. So, very easy to give feedback. Because before we've we've built this community, we we, we know that we're all committed to our various, I guess, mainly members but stakeholders, so that when you have to give feedback, it's seen in that regard. The other thing I hear too is that you're transparent anyway. You're transparent, honest. You'll talk about your own, what we call in uh, Why Should Anyone Be Led By You, your own allowable weaknesses. Uh, which means that, one, people will fess up to you much easier, um, but uh, when it comes to talking to other people about where they're not performing well, you've already modelled the way because you've been open about and transparent about your own areas of, of development.
1: We have a culture of... Um, accepting uh, failure. If something doesn't work or it didn't go well, then it is uh, accepted that uh, it was something that we tried to do and we learn from it. And as a learning organisation, this is very natural for us. Mm. Uh, Also, we're very um, proud, if you like, and uh, put a lot of effort into developing our leadership within the organisation. So, Uh, When we're looking at uh, a situation or a decision that's been made or an approach uh, uh, to an initiative that um, I don't agree with or, or, or don't believe that it's gone well... It's easy to talk about it in the context of the development of that person and um, how their team is developing with them as a leader yeah. and uh, taking the decisions back, if you like, to what are we learning from this situation. Yeah. And generally people are quite committed um, to Teachers Mutual Bank when they work with us and so a culture of commitment and willingness to perform well, it's evident in in all parts of the business we also do have a formal approach to performance assessment we've all got key performance um, indicators that uh, we know and understand and review on a regular basis so that Uh, we're all comfortable talking about what we're achieving and why we're not achieving something and how we can do it. Mm. So if you like, because uh, performance is considered to be um, or performance monitoring is considered to be essential to the health of the organisation as a whole, it's a natural conversation to
0: have. To have. I, I love it once again. It comes down to the three things. You don't just talk about the performance. It seems to me that's the content. You always put it in a context, the context of the larger thing we're doing here at Teachers Mutual Bank, the context of uh, the development of that person and where they are on their own leadership journey or technical journey, and the context of how can we all learn from this. So um, I guess, therefore, that the, the feedback is probably uh, a lot easier to give and a lot easier to receive as such. Um Amen. <laughs> What do you do to um, develop, and we've touched on this a little bit, leadership at every level because to us leadership is not just a position, it's this willingness to look at what needs to be done and do it. And you seem to have a lot of leaders in this place. You do seem to have people that will you know, um, step up and do what's required. How have you been able to inculcate that culture of leadership?
1: Well, a lot of it uh, comes down to communication and and sharing uh, the insights of the business but also of of the members as well. So when you're providing um, information and people have a good understanding, they're able to think about and understand what's going on and contribute. And we uh, encourage open communication. Having a very two-way communication culture uh, is very supportive uh, to leadership because people are able to get their voice out there on the table in lots of (coughs) different forums. Um, The other thing that we do is uh, we do have uh, like a talent program but also a leadership uh, program as well and we have, uh, if you like, support for female leadership or women in leadership and that is because quite often a lot of uh, women are not as confident speaking Mm. out of the table as some of their, you know, male counterparts. So there are some programs out there that we do send...
0: Specifically for...
1: Yeah, our our female leaders off to, and and, and that works well for us. Uh, We also... Invest a lot in training and development, and uh, I think there's over 22% of our staff at any one time that are doing formal tertiary wow, study, amazing, and uh, this is encouraged because the smarter we are collectively, the smarter mm-hmm. we are as a business. So we also have a mentoring program, and I'm really proud that I've been chosen as a as a mentor. Wow, good And um, it's really terrific because I get to sort of learn from the person I'm mentoring as well as being able to share some of um, my experiences and and just them to have somebody to bounce their ideas off or to, you know, talk through some of the challenges that they're having on the job in in a confidential environment, it, it really works well f- for both of us. Mm. So it's, it's a great program.
0: A lot of things there, so the way you really embed leadership at every level is making sure, as you mentioned before, that people have a voice, mm-hmm. that there's a lot of two-way communication. You've got programs, particularly for some of the, 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 the female leaders, because often they don't have as much voice uh, at times. Times um, and uh, this whole emphasis that uh, on everyone learning because the smarter you are individually, the smarter you are collectively. Plus mentor programs, so you've got a lot going to actually uh, really get people to to continually look at uh, stepping up. With doing all of that, how do you maintain a healthy work life balance? Because it sounds like you're pretty busy. You're called on a lot. Um, because of the, you know, your seniority in, in the business, there's uh, um, you know, a lot to do, and there's always more to do than there is time. So, how do you keep yourself? in balance in check a work life balance
1: well I have a very supportive family and workplace so I'm very fortunate in that regard a supportive family in terms of um, understanding of, of, of uh, what your position and, and your role involves so um, being relaxed about you know sometimes you have to contribute quite a lot of time and, and be away so, right. so that's always good to have that support but also um, my workplace well uh, really reasonably flexible uh, educational development um, even to my family for special um, reasons. The workplace is very, very supportive of that. Also, for my own personal health and this was, like I said, that that first CEO, um, John Prescott, he sent me off uh, to an executive development program when I was first appointed a manager back in the 90s and one of the things they taught you there was uh, executive health (laughs) and that, you know, you had to keep things in balance so you know to keep yourself physically um well and uh, meant that you would uh, also have a domino effect from that and you would be mentally well as well and you need that mental strength to be able to cope with um you know the long days and yes. and, and the pressure yep. sometimes that you're under in your role so yeah i try to take my holidays and eat healthy and you know do some exercise every week yes. <laughs>
0: What are your passions outside of work?
1: Well, I would love to do um, more volunteer work, but at, at the moment, my commute, I, I live up on the Central Coast, so I, I spend right. a fair amount of time commuting. So that during the week, is I don't get a lot of opportunity for that. But um, other than that, well, my passion is uh, learning. I love right. I love to read. I right. love to um, network and, and go out and meet people uh, in in different um yeah, situations and learn from other people. Uh, very outdoorsy. My husband and myself. Yeah, we like to do a lot of um, you know swimming and bushwalking and going. Bush uh, go uh, what do they call them? Road trips. We love road trips.
0: So, yeah, so lovely change from all the mental uh, exercise you have to do in in this role, I guess. That's
1: right. Being outdoors yeah. in the fresh air. Yeah. Well,
0: that's <laughs> excellent. And and uh, is there any? Is there any time you get what I call the dark night of the soul? Is there any times where you you go home, and you think, oh my god, this is just getting all a bit too much? Or you know, I think all execs have them from time to time. How do you how do you bounce back? How do you actually um, you make sure that you are resilient enough for yourself and your team and the members?
1: Well. Um it's helpful when you've got a very supportive partner and it's somebody that uh, you know you can talk through, and they're under similar pressures as yourself, so it, it's helpful to have somebody to talk to. I think that's important. So, um, I believe that you know having uh, people that you can confide in and talk, let your steam off if you yes. like, <laughs> yeah. it, it, is important. Uh, the other thing is to is not to be too hard on yourself Uh, when things don't go well spend a bit of time reflecting on it and have a good perspective because sometimes when you react to a situation and think it's not going so well when you have a bit of perspective around it uh, you you can see it for for what it really is Mm. and um but with that resilience, I do think it is important that you try to be as healthy as you can because that helps you uh, keep it, if you like, a positive um, attitude. And, you know, uh, when you like that, your mood's better, so yeah. you're able to bounce it a bit better. Is
0: it? Yeah, it makes such a difference, to, not just to you, but to your team and members. And you talked about, I love that, not to be too harsh on yourself and uh, to put it in a bigger perspective. I, I'm, I'm wondering... Um, Therefore, when we talk about resilience and bouncing back, what are some of your vulnerabilities? Are you aware of them as a leader? We're probably, you know, I'm not saying you're not working on them, but everyone has their vulnerabilities and the great leaders seem to be more aware of them and and compensate in some way. If there are some allowable weaknesses or vulnerabilities you have as a leader, um, are you prepared to share some of those at all?
1: (laughs) well like I, I said i i think i suffer from the keating
0: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: effect sometimes i can be looking too far out and um, and that's why i like to uh, work with people that uh, keep me um, informed of what's happening on the ground as well right. and i i work with a couple of what i call great connectors they're people that connect well within the, the organization and uh, can just if you like uh, keep you alerted to emerging trends or or thoughts um, running through the business at temperature, if you like, Mm. because in my role, a lot of what my department actually works on and brings into the organisation has an impact not only on um, the members that uh, have their um, financial arrangements with us, but also the people delivering and working with those members and uh, so if things that we're working on or implementing are not going well, I need to know about that uh, rather than be you know, focused on the next thing on the horizon and, and, uh, and not being cognizant of what's happening on the
0: ground. This is a really fantastic leadership lesson because one of the things we find great leaders do is they're always doing pulse check. Now, what I'm hearing you say, you do that pulse check, but you know that you could be so far out there, you may not, may not be getting the real pulse check, so you attach into the connectors as you call them in the business which might be in other departments or other functions or different levels and you ask them, you already you have this network of people that you can ask how's it really going, what's really happening so that gives you a much better pulse check on the total business and I guess on some mar- sales and marketing strategies so uh, wow, how, long, how How often do you, would you do those pulse checks as, on as needed basis or do you have some informal way of having cups of coffee every so often or how do you go about that?
1: Well, some of them I've cultivated so well that they'll come to me. <laughs> <laughs> They're my drop-ins.
0: Okay. <laughs> so now we've got, we've got a connectors and a subset called drop-ins, <laughs> drop-in connectors.
1: Yeah, but it, uh, and, and these are even some people that are um, outside of our uh, immediate organisation as well but uh, work within our um education community so it's just meeting them and having a cup of coffee and uh, also you know just an email or um, a telephone conversation Mm. yeah and uh, even with our peers within the mutual industry, uh, going along to seminars and conferences, and making
0: those connections, making again. those
1: connections. Mm. And um, I'm a member of LinkedIn, yeah, and of and I've cultivated mm. my profile on there so that uh, I can and, and pick the groups that I, I actually network in, so that I can be aware of um, what's happening out mm. there. So, happening on the ground in within our own organisation, but also what's happening out there. Um, within our industry.
0: So you're always looking at the the bigger picture. Again, what I get here is that you can't, maybe you can manage from behind a desk, you certainly can't leave. And and one of the things I'm hearing is that you're getting out there, you're doing a pulse check, not only with your people, pulse check with the industry, pulse check with education, pulse check with the banking industry. So you're constantly feeding that back into the business and seeing what needs to be done from there. Let's go back to the vision piece because you talked about that being a vulnerability because you can be so far out there and you need to be grounded from time to time and, and through your connectors and your drop-ins <laughs> um, you know, they keep you grounded. If there was one piece of advice about achieving a vision of greatness, because you've really had an incredible vision of greatness here when you think about it, to go from a credit unit of 46 years where members were very, very happy, but to move that into, with the times, into a bank um, that was a vision of greatness and you certainly, the business got rewarded and your winner of Financial Service and Executive of the Year was a wonderful recognition for that. What's some of advice to make visions become reality to turn strategy into into results any, any advice for our listeners in that area
1: well you've got to really communicate your vision and make sure that people understand it that you are you have the right vision if you like and that it's a vision that people can actually share and feel part of and they understand and appreciate the purpose of, of what it is you're looking to achieve and, or what it is you, you actually want uh, your organisation to be. That vision alignment is really critical to get people What getting do you mean by
0: that, uh, vision alignment?
1: What I mean by a vision alignment is within the business or the community that you're serving as a business is that people agree and are aligned with how you see things with what you think is important that that the way that you articulate that the importance of what you believe in or, or your vision that it resonates. Right. That it is something that is valuable to them. With Teachers Mutual Bank. You know, our, our vision is that we want to be the first choice um, bank for teachers and their families for all their financial needs, and the reason that we want to do that is because we believe that they deserve their own financial institution that is going to look after them and be there specifically for them through every life stage so you know, teachers have their own challenges when they're a student at yes. university. Um, they their own financial challenges. Then they've got to go out into the um, community and teach. Now, some might have to go off to remote locations and they're, uh, you know, some might actually have to fund their university f- Um, stay when they're you know coming in from the country so there there are lots of financial needs then then they go into a situation where um like other people they're looking to establish themselves in, in a particular area they need transport but they might not have permanent work and um With teachers, it's not always uh, a surety that when you finish university that you're going to get a permanent appointment or you're going to get a convenient appointment. So um, being of unstable income sometimes presents its challenges when they're trying to establish their career in teaching. And that's where we step in. We know what it's like to transition from university into eventually a, um, a full-time permanent role. And, but it's not a given like it was back in, say, the 80s. Mm. It's much more difficult for them now.
0: What I pick up continually, and I guess our listeners will get this too from the thread of this conversation, is that virtually every question gets back to your members. I mean, just the way you're constantly thinking about members, what their needs are, how those needs change through the life cycle, uh, that it's not that easy sometimes That just because you come out of uh, of university as a, as, a, as a qualified teacher you may not necessarily get full time work and when you do get that it may be in a remote community with special needs so it's it's constantly I guess thinking about your customer and their needs I think that's probably what makes uh, Teachers Mutual Bank such a, such a brilliant organisation um, so that's uh, a vision if there's any other pearls of wisdom that you have as a leader? What would they be if you had two or three key lessons you could teach young leaders coming through?
1: I think I would say you've got to be adaptable. You have to um, use different styles for different situations. When you're first uh, working on a new initiative or working with a new team member um, that's new to your organisation, it's important that you work very closely with them and you might need to take and adopt, say, a more a directive style because they're new, they're not, you know, a mind reader knowing what's in your head, what's required. So working closely with them helps establish them into the culture of your organisation, understands um, how their role fits the organisation and how they then can start to contribute uh, to um, the development of uh, the area that they're assigned to look after. So yeah being adaptable, um, being open to uh, two-way communication and understanding that you're not going to have all of the answers. There are a lot of people around you with a lot to contribute and there are specialists if you like out there to go and seek uh, specialist advice And and insight or people that you can bounce ideas off that don't necessarily uh, have the constraints of thinking of your own Mm. um, department or business. You haven't got that group thing going on. So, uh, yeah, getting different perspectives and that's where networking and networking for most people doesn't come really easily but it's really vital for you to be able to tease out your own thinking and, and get new perspectives on things and just um, looking at how other businesses solve their problems. Brave, you've got to be brave. And I love because...
0: your, your courage coming through at the time.
1: <laughs> over, yeah. Because quite often, you know, when you uh, have a uh, proposition that you'd like to put to the business, and maybe it's destabilising to people that have had um, something in place for some time, uh, it, yeah, it can be hard putting it out there and uh, building trust that, uh, you know, what you're advocating is for the good of the organisation, even though it might be feel destabilising to people that have probably spent years putting in mm-hmm. a, a system or a solution yes. that for, has been good enough yeah. up to up till now. Uh, maintaining a sense of humanity, humour and perspective, Yeah. Humour, especially, because uh, you've got to be able to um, not take yourself too seriously, because mm. that helps others relax around you as well, and it helps with your resilience. If you you know, if you if you induct humour into your work, and make it a bit fun, people spend half their life at work. They yes. want to enjoy it, and the rest of <laughs>
0: I love the saying: take yourself, uh, uh, take your work seriously, but yourself lightly. So there's a lot of things there. The importance of just and it has been themes coming through: being adaptable, making sure that you network, and you network not just for the sake of those relationships, but for the sake of the learning and the new That's perspectives. Right. And a big theme of of everything you've talked about today has been innovation and newness, and, and looking for the new things. And that takes, as you said, bravery. Um, it, it's it's uh, it's very easy to do the same old same old, but it does take a a lot of bravery, um, and I love the, uh, the sense of perspective and the, and, and the sense of humour as such. So uh, one of the things we talk about in, in our work is what really is engagement and I think you embody that we talk about true engagement is the intersection of two things how do you maximise someone's contribution I love the way you've talked about that get them linked to the community get them linked to the members and also at the same time how do you maximise their satisfaction think about them their growth their development where they are in their own leadership journey so it seems to be that you've really uh, nailed that on the head very well so in in starting to sum up um, any Legacy that you'd like to be known for? Because one of the things we talk about the human enterprise uh, is to live well, is to lead well, and to leave a legacy. And I'm wondering, um, as arrogant in some ways as that might sound, what would you like to be known for above and beyond the fact that you, um, you have had this role? What's, what's the legacy that you'd love to leave?
1: If I heard on the grapevine that people had said, that when they worked with me they achieved great things for the organization and that they learned heaps right yeah. and actually enjoyed their work that's the legacy i'd like to leave
0: isn't that fantastic <laughs> uh, so they did great things they they learned heaps what was the other one you were three there
1: and they enjoyed their work and
0: they enjoyed that on on the way and they enjoyed yeah. the journey on the way well I have certainly enjoyed this journey with you and um, uh, so thank you for the great work you do and a group of people, uh, teachers and their families are are so important to our community. Um, Yes, it's obviously families that carve out who people are but teachers are such an influence on, 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 on our youth. And if we can't look after our teachers, I think uh, it's a it's a sad old world. And you guys just do that so well, looking after their financial needs while they go on and teach our kids and, and make them great citizens of the world. So thank you so much for for what you do. Uh, congratulations on your winner of financial service, the Executive of the Year. And uh, and I wish you all the best uh, in um, in the, um, the years ahead. So thank you, Teresa.
1: Thanks very much, Paul
0: again for listening to Teresa and her remarkable story there are some great lessons here for successfully executing major transformational change including stakeholder engagement emotional connection with people collaboration a real focus on customer needs i guess in this case member needs and really genuine concern about how the brand makes people feel not just what you think your brand stands for i think that's a major differentiator I particularly love the section on giving feedback and how people don't take it personally because it's all about how we can better serve members. Exquisite. We actually recently did a one-day workshop called Embracing the Challenge of Change with TMB to assist them in their commitment to remaining one of the premier financial service organisations in the world. So if you're thinking about or about to undergo some major transformational change and part of your success will be the engagement with people, then we'd love to hear from you. Um, leave us a comment on our blog or go to thehumanenterprise.com.au or alternatively, to make it easier, just give us a buzz on 02, that's Australia 2 990 5535 that's 2 990 5535 and we'd be delighted to help. So thanks again for listening to Enterprise Radio and demonstrating your commitment to truly building a human enterprise. I'm Paul Mitchell. I hope we get to speak soon.